When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. Hello and welcome to the Fighting Cock Season 12, Episode 19. Uh, Big John Bass in for Flav, joined by Flonius Filth. Hello, hello. And Rab C. Nesbitt, aka Mark. How are you, Mark? You're you've got um you've got a lot of nicknames I've realised uh in the group because you've yeah. had you've basically had what um Matt Nasbat Matt <laughs> Nasbat yeah. um yeah. the the butcher the baker is the the monk shagger there's there's quite a lot of nicknames um did you ever have nicknames yeah. in school is it or is this like the first time you're getting nicknames um I did but they were probably I mean they were more about you know ginger hair being really skinny. <laughs> Uh, being yeah. short, so I don't know if that's better or worse. I mean, it's probably worse actually. Yeah, mm, it's quite a lot. They've improved with age. Yeah, you've got quite a lot of um, a lot of markers for bullies. I think a lot, a lot of indicators for them to get stuck in, which never helps. I, but I, I think so. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm biologically, I was already, uh, I was already struggling. You know, so um, we got the hat. Hashtag biology in there, didn't we, John? Um, but yeah, like, but you know, I put myself out there as well. I don't help myself, so it's, well, it's you've, bl- you've blossomed into a fine, um, fine young man, so that's that's a good thing, uh, right? <laughs> I, I'm skirting around the issue, which is that we we played Liverpool at the weekend, we didn't win. Um, it was a second home defeat on the spin, personally speaking. And I'm obviously going to get both your takes on this, that in a weird, very perverse way, it's probably the most optimistic I've been about the future of Spurs. All season, um, I know that people aren't happy when we lose. I'm not happy when we lose. I'm not saying, "Oh, don't worry, we played well." That's all that matters. But I think, as um, as I said many times, I do care about the way that we play. And despite not getting the result in this game, I can see that with all the things stacked against us, if we could play like that with better players and recruitment's a big part of that, there's definitely something there that I I wasn't sure we had. There was a level, the way that we were playing there, and there were circumstances around that. I just didn't think we had. So I came out of that game uh, annoyed at the result, but kind of optimistic. So I just wanted to see and uh, kick things off. T, let's um, let's let's hear what you thought, mate. I, I felt optimistic after this. Um, I mean, I've I've been optimistic all the way through, really. I think Conte is kind of making do with the squad and the players that he has. Um, you can't legislate for errors, which is what led to the second Salah goal, but I didn't come away from yesterday disappointed or angry in any way. It was just, um, it was awful to lose. I don't think the first half was that bad. I feel like some sort of weird apologist, but I think we've had a lot worse first halves than that. It's just that um, Liverpool were clinical, so um, we take a while to get started, which has been well documented. I think we've been behind in our last seven games, I, I believe, at half-time. So um not half time, but um so 
You've got someone like Salah, who's one of the best strikers the Premier League has ever seen. He's not gonna, he's not gonna, you know, pass up those chances. Maybe lesser strikers might have panicked with the second goal and you know maybe blasted it over the bar. But Salah had the composure to punish um, Dar's mistake. But no, I didn't come away from yesterday's game particularly upset. It's just that um, Conte keeps saying, "Be patient." You know, you got to wait a few more windows to you know see what he can do. And I believe he's earned. I think he's earned it. I mean, getting us into the Champions League, getting us in the top of the group. You know, we're looking like we're going to be fourth going into the World Cup. I think um, there's a lot to be optimistic about. And I feel that, um, you know, in January, we continue to build. I don't think we're going to get any... I don't think we're going to have another January like last year. We've got Kulisewski and Benton core, But I believe that we're still going to get the building blocks in place for Conte to get to where he can get to, to be, you know, winning trophies and competing for the league. Absolutely. Mark, how did you... um? How did you feel after the game, mate? Because I think it was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions during it. But how, now, you've, mm. again, you've had a bit of time to process it. How, how do you feel about the result? I feel. I mean, look. Ultimately, we lost, and it was three points that I thought. I thought it was. It was very possible for us to 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 get a point, and I thought it was. It was even. You know, also possible to to to, to win. So, so to not win was was sucks. But like you said, I think it was. It's one of the 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 defeats that sort of you come away thinking, do you know what? We, we didn't do too bad. And, and again, absolutely the, the pattern first half shit, second half, good uh, repeat itself. But yeah, look, I, I thought there was so many, even in the first half though, like you said, like we didn't, we didn't, we didn't look that bad, even though Liverpool did, did hammer us. It felt like a, a classic Liverpool game. You know, they, I think they had 60 odd percent, uh, 60 plus percent possession in the first half. So w- we did get hammered a little bit. Um, but it was a dire total brain fart for the for the second one, um, and for the even for the first Salah goal, um, I, th- I thought there was way too much space for both Nunez to to, to assist Salah, who was just totally open in the middle. So I, I didn't think it was like a, a really poor team performance in the first half that led us to being two 0 down, and then in the second half, and we battered them in second half. We had we had we had three of three of our four big chances came from second half. I I, I came away from second half feeling like this is something we can build on. And, and don't forget, two of our three best attackers were not were not playing. We only brought Kulisevsky on twenty odd minutes to to, to to play, so we can't feel too too down. Although it obviously fucking sucks, and especially sucks losing to Liverpool, right? We always lose to those countries. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think you touched on something there that there's there is context around this game. Like we we always lose to Liverpool. It's annoying, but usually I feel like we go into those games and there's like not necessarily always form with it because Liverpool have been a very good side of, of recent years but we feel like we've got a chance here this was the first game in a while when I was looking at it and thinking I know they've been out of form they haven't won away all season but we are missing a lot of players and particularly attacking players we know we've still got work to do in terms of like recruitment a World Cup round the corner that players are, are focused on all of these factors are sort of adding up so when you saw the lineup, um T when you saw the lineup with Perisic up top with Kane are you were you concerned? Did you write the game off? Were you thinking he's not really got much option? What, what, what did you think about the lineup when you saw it come out? I just thought he didn't have many options. You know, um, I think a lot of the fans would have liked to have seen Brian Hill given a run, and you know, not Royal at right back, right wing back. But I think we're can, I think we're kind of consigned to seeing Royal at right wing back and um, anyone but Brian Hill up front. Um, I don't think I think Moore was carrying an, an injury, so he wasn't going to start the game. But I saw the lineup and I thought, well, 
you know, we've got the three five two, we've got the midfield kind of blocked out. And I thought, well, we've got a chance. I said, I think I spoke to Mark before the game and I said, I could see it being a draw and probably should have been a draw looking at the contrast of the game. It probably could have been a draw, even a, Liverpool, a Spurs win. But I saw the lineup and I thought, well, I could see what you're trying to do, you're trying to contain them. But I don't think containing teams like Liverpool is helpful when you've got defenders who are prone to making errors and a wing-back who doesn't attack in, in um, Emerson Royale. And um, Sessegnon's form is kind of on a bit of a downward trajectory over the last few weeks. I mean, he got the goal against um, Bournemouth that's got us back in that game. But I think his confidence is kind of very, very low. Um, I mean, it was nice to see him get an ovation as, as Sessegnon came off, but it wasn't one of his better games yesterday. So um, with that backdrop, I kind of thought, well, we could still grab a draw. It wasn't... I mean, it wasn't like um, daggers at Conte when I saw the lineup. Yeah. Mar, did you think there was much, given the injuries and status of the squad, did you think there was mm. much he could, he could have done differently in, in hindsight? I mean, no, he didn't have many options. There, there, are, there, there were other things he could have, he could have done. Um, he could have still, you know, he could have put, put Lucas in and Perisic uh, as, as the left-sided striker and, and played a 3-4-3, a three, three, but it, wouldn't, it would have been probably too attacking for his for his liking i think um but i think we said that in the preview the, there were a few options in there and he could you could have played a three five two with lucas instead but again that would have been fucking dreadful um ultimately i i thought he did i thought he did well i mean it was it was less of a three five two and more of a five three two so more 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 defensive than we probably would have liked it to be um but as t said he's he's got setting on and royale acting as our fullbacks um in in that sort of sense so so again not not great um, although actually, I, th- I thought, I mean, I'm, I was torn about Sessegnon yesterday because I, th- I thought at times he had he had uh, Alexander Trenton on all totally on toast, um, and it should yeah. have been a pen. I'm sure we come back to that. Yeah. Um, but even the every kick outside the box as well, he rounded him several times, um, and 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 Trent had to foul him. So yeah, I mean, but but up front, look, I thought it was interesting to see Perisic in a, in a, in a in a in a position that we haven't seen him in so far. Um, and I think he did really well. I think it was probably probably his best game in a Spurs shirt, which just says a lot about the character and 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 the the, the capabilities of this man who can who can play at an elite level at so many positions around the the, the pitch. Um, so I thought it was it was positive for for those for those factors. Yeah, I think um, I think with with Perisic as well, like the thing that we all are aware of is his age and the fact that he doesn't you know he can't necessarily like he's not going to be able to sustain that playing every single game at that level but what he does is that he really does have the experience to be able to just adapt and I thought he was really good like considering he probably has not played there for a long time I know he's done it at international level uh, on occasion having to play like right at the top of the pitch I thought he played really well in that position and then when he had to change position we we still got a lot of output out of him so I think he did really well I think the, the wider issue outside of selection and maybe these two things are linked a little bit is this idea of the sort of second half hotspur? And we had a, a question from John Howick who said, "Should we tell our players we kick and kick off an hour earlier so we actually start games properly instead of in the second half?" I think I think there is. Um, I think now it's pretty well um, kind of known that this isn't just like a coincidence anymore. There's there's like obviously some tactic around around this idea of like saving energy, whatever it is. But to your point, T. I'm not sure that this is making much sense at the moment because I feel like when we've when we've come out and had to play because we've gone a goal down, 
we've looked so much better being on the front foot to the point where we're forcing teams back. Now, I get the argument of, yeah, but they've got a goal, so they're going to sit and defend that. I, I do understand that as well. I'm just a bit concerned by this like whole concept of where we play a half to sort of save ourselves and then like try and win it in the second half. And do you, do you think that was a factor in concentration? Because, again, I thought Dyer had a great second half and he was pretty fucking at fault for, um, well, certainly the second goal. Is this a, like is this? Does this make sense? What we're doing here? This I, I believe that the idea is that we're going to conserve energy. Then when you look at the running stats, like we're well at the top in terms of running stats. So are we actually conserving energy? I'm not really sure. So it's a confusing thing. I don't know where you sit with it, mate. It's I don't know. Is it an admission that Conte has got it wrong in the, in the team selection and the tactical selection and the fact that um, the team and the formation he starts it very rarely gets to the hour mark with the same sort of formation and tactics. But, you know, um, formations evolve throughout games anyway, but um, it's very high risk. And when you when you get to a team as clinical as Liverpool, who are comfortable having a ball for 90 minutes, we're not comfortable having a ball for 90 minutes. So we can't really be in a situation where, you know, where we can try and contain teams because we just, I mean, obviously you can't have to build from the back, but... I mean, Dyer and Davies used to be fullbacks, so they should be better on the ball. But sometimes they look like they look they look all at sea. But yeah, this whole um, this whole opening forty-five minutes playing rubbish—it's oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't really. I mean, obviously, Conte is there to be questioned. I mean, you know, he got a, he's not beyond reproach in terms of um, how he approaches games. And it's something that I feel a lot of teams are kind of getting a bit wise to and that, you know, they know they're going to have an onslaught in the second half. Let's get a couple of goals in the first half. It's happened in the last two home games and um, it's been the same result. We're losing 2-1. But I don't know. I mean, Conte's stubborn. Um, he's, um, I mean, he's um, he's achieved his objectives, which is, I guess, is get top in the Champions League given being within, within, being in the hunt for the title, like within 10 points of the, of the team at top. But it's just... Um, I don't know. This whole um, this whole half half thing is a bit stressful, especially in the ground. Um, we're going to touch on probably the booze at half time as well. I mean, it's it's easy, you know, being on going on social media and being objective after the game. So you know what, you know, we're still building something, but it's not it's not a relaxing game to watch. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I mentioned in the last pod I was on that a lot of Spurs fans need therapy. And I think someone responded to me saying, "Yeah, but." Football is therapy. Supporting Tottenham Hotspur is not fucking therapy, mate. It's not therapy. <laughs> Go it's, out and get some, mate. Get some yeah. angry motherfuckers out there. <laughs> it's what keeps people in therapy. It's what it is. Oh, yeah. It's part of the economy that dri- it dri- drives people to therapy. So in that way, it is, it is, uh, it is helping. Um, Mark, what, what do you... What, I can't believe... Like, I don't think I've ever seen a team do what we're doing. And for like three or four games, it's like it's just circumstantial. But this is a thing, isn't it? Like, and it, and to T's point, if it gets to a point where now it is a thing, and teams basically know we're not going to attack for the first half, and we, the bit I don't get is the playing back. We're like actively playing badly. It seems that I can't mm. get it. What, <laughs> this has got to change, isn't it? After the World Cup, otherwise this is insane. A way of playing, which is basically throw the first half and then see how you get on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it it. I think it will as well. Um, I, I don't think this is a. I don't think this is this is this is his strategy for the whole for the whole season. Um, but the the schedule's been brutal, um, and this has been his way of, of of dealing with it. 
So I, I guess what you've got to do is, is I mean, I guess we could do like a sort of a, it's not even a half the season, is it? It's like a third of the season by the time we get to the World Cup or just over a third. Um, you could sit down and take stock of where it's gotten us to. At the moment, we're, we're still fourth. Uh, we're, we're a point behind Newcastle in third. Um, Man U, even if they win their next game, won't get above us into fourth. Um, and we've got a, a winnable game before the break. So I think, I think it's, it's, we have to look at it from a slightly more sort of... Well, we have to look back at how, how it's been rather than how it feels right now uh, once we get to the end of the, the, the season or the halfway mark. Um, I don't think it's going to be what he sets out to do after the World Cup. Um, I, I, you know, hopefully we get through the World Cup without too many injuries and we'll see something that's slightly more akin to what we saw at the, last, uh, the, the tail end of last season um, wh- where we did play better across the two, the, the, the two halves. I do think, I, mean, I said this in the preview for the Liverpool game as well, I, I, there's definitely something to, I think that's established by now that we're trying to conserve energy in the first half, but I don't think he sets us out to to play this shit. I think he just, yeah. and we, we see it in the first 10 minutes, right? Like we play decent in the first 10 minutes and mm. then the players just fucking drop their guts and they, they lose their heads a little bit. I just don't think they're, they're used to playing, you know, if, if you're Conte, you're, you're thinking you've got to play pragmatic. You've got to play a little bit cleverer. Don't, don't spend your energy on, on needless dribbling or chasing after balls because you are set up a little bit more defensively. So you don't have to chase the ball so much. You've just got to communicate to your partners and they'll help you out. They'll support you if you're caught in a, in a one B B two. Um, so yeah, I don't think he sets out that way. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to, to play shit and he doesn't want us to play flat and with no energy. Um, but I think the players may be interpreting it that way, maybe subconsciously, but but it's definitely not the way. This is not the way he wants us to play. It's 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 he sets out with a different idea, and then it just ends up that way. But and it and it all kind of comes back to this point. We like we need we need better players, man. Um, yeah. I like uh, the idea though, that he is going right. First off, play shit. If there's a ball on, <laughs> smash it to the stand. Take a bad touch yeah. when you get time. Like, make sure you take That's a bad it. touch. If there's, a, if there's an option, if there's an option to go long, smash it as far as you can. I, yeah. Right. He's obviously not saying play shit. I think whatever the instruction is, it is making the players second guess themselves, which is essentially making them play badly. And I think it's clearly a plan. And if the plan is to somehow like muddle through until the World Cup, if you're muddling through and being in the top four, that's done its job. Now, the reason I felt optimistic after this game is that I feel like, okay, cool, they can, play, they can play well, which I didn't think was possible playing his system, that there is a way to play exciting football, and we, we saw that we really were like, attacking in a really good way. And we also could have had a penalty tee when it was 1-0. So we started quite well, then we conceded. Then we had the pen, this penalty incident where the ball gets played into Sessegnon, and then he's in the box, and... I mean, I, I watched it immediately in real time and, and did the classic football fan thing and just shouted penalty because it's a foul on our player in their box. Now I kind of thought, oh, maybe it's a bit soft. Seeing the replay, that that's a penalty. Like, it's it's an easy penalty for me to be given, and we saw it with the Cancelo one that was given like earlier that weekend. That's very similar. Should, was it a penalty penalty for you, mate? And would that have, would that have changed the game? I mean, I was at the other end of the ground, so. It looked a little bit like a shove from where I was, but um, the Cancelo penalty was soft as well. So, but it's a, it's a consistency that's the issue, not whether or not it was a penalty. It's just that for one game it won't be a penalty, and then for another game in the same weekend it it will or it won't get given. It's just uh, it's a bit shambolic. The players don't know where they stand anymore, and um, 
you know, I was a bit harsh on Sessegnon early on, and you know, Mark pointed out that he got behind um, Alexander Arnold a fair bit during the game, and I feel that was frustration on Alexander Arnold's part because he just kept getting around him, and and there was a shove in the back. He didn't make any attempt to go for the ball, and if he was given a penalty and he put it away, that just that changes the whole complexion of the game. So um, it is it is frustrating, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's as I, I think it's just the inconsistency that's the most frustrating issue here. Not whether or not it was a penalty. I mean, the rules should just be hard and fast. You know, it's, um, it can't just be a penalty and a sending off on top of that for Cancelo in one game. And then I don't think Alexander Arnold even got a yellow for for that challenge either. So it's just it's, it's well, it, well, if 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 he'd if he'd got a yellow, the the ref would have been acknowledging that there was a yeah, there was yeah. foul play, which he which he didn't yeah. even do. The, the 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 problem the problem with the whole, like you said, it's definitely the inconsistency is the biggest problem. And what's what's really interesting is the, the our ref for this game was the VAR ref in in the city <laughs> game. So he actually called the 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 ref. I can't remember who was on the on pitch ref there, but he called him to the VAR screen and went, "Oh, you, oh called him and said, oh, you, you should look, you should look at this because this this you know there's a shove in the back. This is definitely a penalty, and it's a red case of sending off as well because it's a you know an obvious goal scoring chance. Uh, so he does that, and then literally the day after, when he's on the pitch himself, he doesn't see it. Like what the like what. They, they, that's an even bigger inconsistency. It's just so insane. They had a, a, an interesting point on the View from the Lane podcast where they said that they he, he he's probably seen the reaction to mm. his that, the red card and the penalty on social media, and then that's in the back of his mind. And I sort of get human nature, you, you know, plays a trick on you and all that sort of stuff. But that's exactly why the fucking refs shouldn't be in Stockley Park in the VAR box. It's it's just the whole thing is so insane. It's just it's ridiculous. And sorry if I can answer um, the the question to T as well. I think it definitely would have changed the game. I was scoring a, a, a penalty at 20, 20 odd minutes when and the game is one one all of a sudden. Liverpool's actually got to, got to try and chase it um, to to try and get the three points because they need them a lot more than we do. It changes the whole complexity of that game. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so I, I think I'm still pissed off about that penalty. I've just realised now. Yeah, well, I um, at the time I I, I was. I mean, I just tweeted immediately. I, I just don't know what the rules are, and there were multiple incidents of inconsistency in this game alone. There was there was one where the ball goes up in the air. I can't remember who it was, but essentially, like Salah gets caught a little bit on his thigh from like a trailing leg, goes down, free kick. The exact same thing happens to Kulusevski in the second half. Nothing given. There was a Cess incident after the penalty, which was on the edge of the area, where Alexander Arnold again just does less this time yeah, than the one that was the literally. penalty, and we get a free kick. And that's the stuff that just galls me because I'm like, I, I hate talking about referees because I sort of think they're usually shit for both teams. But you only ever talk and notice about your side of of it. But I really felt in this game it was it was bad. And I'm not saying he's like trying to make us lose, but the bad decision definitely fell our way, and that that was a cause of frustration. They and should think, be in front yeah. of the fucking media. I feel as well. I mean, yeah. that's been mooted that they should explain their decisions, even if you know. They go and fight the press and they make a howler. I feel that um, their decisions are, you know, they're costing teams money, costing teams league places, costing teams games. I just think that, I mean, I'm not expecting the Spanish Inquisition to be given the third degree about, you know, the previous day and whatever. But I feel that in terms of the decisions for the game, they should be at least asked to explain them because they might even educate the fans in, in a way, you know, because there's little, mm. I don't read the rules. I mean, it's probably about, hundred bylaws in the latest season's rules, but there should be 
put in front of the press to explain the decisions. They have to be. Is is that that point now? Yeah. I'm, and to, uh, to be honest, I, I'm at my wits end with VAR because I just if the ref hasn't given it, and then you can see on the replay that it's a penalty. That is a big mistake. And I thought that was the whole point of VAR is it's supposed to clear up obvious errors on the pitch. The one thing that I, I always get wrong is I. Uh, offside thing which is slightly different it's not clear and obvious that's more to just do with is he off or on and that has its own bunch of fucking problems because it's to do with the lines so yeah I think it's I think it's shit I, I think <laughs> there aren't many people left who are holding on to VAR is the answer um, it's fucking shit and I hate his guts so there we go um, so that didn't help us not getting that penalty and us going in um, with a bit of a shocking first half performance we had a question from um, Frazinho 8814, who asks, how do you get people to stop booing when it's half-time? I get we're not great in the first half at the moment, and it's a minority of fans, but it gives Spurs fans a really shit look. I'm always torn on this subject, um, because I kind of feel like people can do what they want. If they want to boo, they then fucking boo. Like, you pay the money, do what you like. There's loads of things people do in society I don't agree with, but I'll give them the right to do it. Um, but in this instance, you want your team to win... So I, I don't necessarily feel like that's the best to give them the best chance of of winning. Um, Mark, where do you stand on the whole booing at halftime, booing generally for your team versus like cheering them on? Yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not for booing. I think it's silly. I think it's quite childish, if I'm honest. Um, uh, you know, I like I get people's. I understand people want to to make their opinions felt, but. It's it's just it's the worst and and least intelligent way of doing that, and, and I'm definitely not not a booer. Um, I think I think yesterday was just perplexing and and really actually quite frustrating um, as a as a as a Spurs fan who who goes to games and you know you know I pay my season ticket, I, I love going to games, but what, what are these guys? What are these people trying to do? Like it feels like they're actually starting to fuck things up for us. Like and Conte mentioned it after the game um a couple of times um like this we know this man doesn't need an excuse to get frustrated with the club so so this just doesn't help you know what what are you booing about like we're behind against a six-time champions league winner and recent premier league champions liverpool like fuck stop him like stop booing as soon as you're the slightest bit put out by what you're seeing like i just i, I tweeted during the game I was, or maybe after the game i was like it's it's just it's so silly like you're not helping. Just, just if you if you want to help, support the team. If you're pissed off, go out and tell your mates because you 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 know you're going to go see them even at half either at halftime or afterwards. Um, you're not you're literally not helping. They don't go into the dressing room going, oh, they booed us. Oh, we should probably rethink what we're doing. You know, like they know. So anyway, I'd, I'd sorry that was probably a bit of a rant, but like I'm just I'm I'm so fed up with it. And like after in first half as well, man. Like the game is not even over. We have got 45 minutes left still. Anyway, sorry, ranting. T, T where are you at? <laughs> T, where are you at? With it? Are you a pro booer or anti booer? Um, I'm anti, but I think fans have a right to voice their disapproval. We've got the highest season ticket prices in the country. They probably feel powerless. They can't affect the game. So. They've got to let out their frustrations the only way they know how. But anyone who does boo, go home, look at yourself in the mirror booing, look how much of a cunt you see looking back at you when you're booing. So bear that in mind. However, right, as I said, the, ticket, the tickets are expensive. They're frustrated. You know, they're not going to run into the pitch and start clumping players. So they're going to voice a disapproval by, by booing. I, 
don't think it's an effective means of, you know, getting getting your point across because um you know, um you look at you know, Davies and Dow are nailed on starters for every game and I think if we are where we want to be, then they should be nailed on starters for every game. So Conte still got to pick them. I mean, I'm not saying that these guys are awful players, but I think if we are, I mean, Alderweireld and Vertonghen are better than a pair of them, for example. And we need players on that level to get us to where we want to be. Um, we've got Emerson Royale at right wing back. Okay, the alternative is Matt Doherty, who's not exactly Kyle Walker in his, at his peak. So there's a lot of gaps in the squad that need to be filled. And I think you just have to show a bit of patience because um, Conte is still making do, still pretty much making do. I mean, um, we lucked out in the January window having Kulisewski and Benton call land in our laps, but there's still going to be trial and error in, in, in the transfer window. I mean, um, over the summer, we were all, I mean, on this podcast, we were largely happy with the transfer window, but I don't think any of them have um, lit the world on fire, not not in comparison to <laughs> the January 2 of Kulisevsky and Benton Corps. No one's been on that level. So um, we're still, it's, st- it's still a work in progress. Um, I think Pochettino, when he first came and he had these old problematic players, we had... Um, a good young group of players coming through. We had um, Kane. Um, Mason. Um, yeah, we had Mason and a few other younger players who came in. And you know, had Danny Rose, who was very much a disaffected player. And Con- and Potts found a role for him. And I feel that um, we just need to give Conte a couple more windows. I don't think booing solves anything. But fans have to be able to voice their frustration somehow. I just think that maybe they could expend that energy to... Just saying, come on, Spurs, because there's times when we can see the goal and, you know, the fans are effing and blinding and whatnot. But then all of a sudden you hear a clap and say, come on, you Spurs, come on, let's get back into it. And um, that's probably what people would rather hear. But, you know, we can't we can't tone police 58,000 people, nah. ultimately. I think we need to um, we need to co-opt it and like re like reclaim its power of the boo. So my my pitch is that we play at half times always sticky featuring Miss Dynamite Boo and then <laughs> and then it just sounds like everyone's letting off gun fingers like garage skanking in the in the crowd and then the players would be like oh that's a fucking banger anyway so maybe they're just they're loving it they're absolutely lo- loving life so that's my that's my plan sticky it, anyone from away. yeah exactly anyone who's responsible for the music at half time at Spurs Boo by Miss Dynamite and Sticky that's the one. I also performed at an MTV Lick party. I think it was in Huddersfield. Um, the song had just come out back then, so my age a bit. But yeah, it went down really well. I mean, it's a banger. Kudos, Mr. Dynamite. It's a banger. It it's, is. It's like one of those tunes that you know when people go like, our oh, gigs talking the hardest should be like the alternative um, national anthem. Sticky featuring Miss Dynamite Boo would be on my list um, for potential consideration. Right, let's... Um, That's Jerusalem. <laughs> let's talk about second half, which was much better. Um, one of the, the the big things for me that stood out in this game was Basuma. I thought he, even in the first half, but particularly second half, he really stood out to me as like, ah, this is the player I remember playing for Brighton that we thought we were going to get. Um, Mark, were you impressed with Basuma's performance in this game? And is he as he turned a corner, Marseille mm. and now and now Liverpool? I, I think he's definitely getting there. Um, I, th- I think he's getting there. He's. Um... Uh, this this was by far, and there's no surprise to anyone. This was by far his 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 best performance in his first shirt, and he, he had a decent second half against Marseille. Um, but he was he was imperious in that midfield. He was he was he was one of our 
probably one of our three best players on the pitch. I think with with Perisic and and um, and Bentancourt. Um, but he he ran that midfield. He, he had the most touches out of all of them. Um, I think he sh- shared highest percentage um, at ninety one or ninety two percent success rate. So he he was he was really effective. But he was also incredibly active in, in the defensive stages. So um, he was everything we wanted from him. He won his duels. He wasn't afraid to jump into them. Um, I, I thought it was a, a much 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 better performance from him. Um, he doesn't really chip in to attack, which I think is something we might see people start to criticise about him. He's, he's he's coming into a, a bit of a Hoybier career arc here, where he starts out starts out a bit shit and everyone hates him. And then, I mean, I think people are taking to him a lot quicker than they are Hoybier, but you're not really going to see much attacking from him for, for a little while. He is more of a, a, a truest defensive midfielder. Um, but this was his most progressive. He covered the most ground uh, of any game I've seen him play in. Um, he's he's got a he's this this was the Brighton Basuma that we used that we used to see for Brighton going fucking out. This guy gets around and he just he sticks a leg in. He's not afraid. He works so hard. He's involved in the short passes and and you know the turnovers and things like that. So um, yeah, I was really impressed and he looked good both sort of after the game in terms of highlights and stats and all that, but also just on the pitch he looked brilliant. Yeah, he looked good, didn't he, too? Yeah, and um, something that Mark kind of alluded to is that he took on the ball even when there were players on him and the players trusted him. So he's got a couple of players around him. You give Basuma the ball, you know he's going to emerge with the ball and pass it to, to a white shirt. I feel that the issue that Spurs had a lot was that there's not players who can take this thing out of the game, hold on to the ball. We had... Um, God, I feel like I'm talking about 16, 17 season all over again here. But um, you've got people like Moussa Dembele, who you give the ball to, you just let him hold on to it, take the sting out of the game, and then you know let the team reset, and then you, then you build again. I feel that Basuma did that in parts yesterday, where he'd have um, Tiago and a few other midfielders around him, and he'd just get the ball, pirouette, pass it to another white shirt. And I feel that was an underrated part of his game yesterday, because when we're under the cosh, it's good to have players who can comfortable on the ball, in tight triangles, could still do a little one-two here and there and just take this thing out of the game. It was good that it was um, he, he chose his best game for that one because um, he's someone who's it was easy to warm to. You look at the training pictures and everyone loves him. And um, yeah, it was it was definitely a good time for him to have his you know best game. I mean, it's probably a shame that he's only probably got maximum 180 minutes left of football before the World Cup. But um, I feel that after the um, I think after the World Cup is over, I feel he he'll be a staple in the team. Because yeah. obviously, Marley on at the World Cups, so you'll have enough time. Yeah, I think you know, another thing that I think I thought was impressive as well. Like, and T, you pretty much just said it, but he stepped up for this game. Like this, this is a massive game in our calendar, um, and he was one of the players that actually stepped up. I don't, I don't think anyone massively stepped down, but I thought there was players that didn't have a great performance. Um, even though Kane looked scored, I thought he looked a little bit uh, on his own. But you know, he was because he was the only striker on the pitch. Um, but I thought Perisic stepped up as well, and I thought Bentoncourt, uh, who I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on next, was stepped up massively. Um, we've seen Bentoncourt do this all season, but for Basuma to really step up, and, and and we know how good Liverpool's midfield can be. They're on a bit of a bad run at the moment, but uh, Thiago is one of the best midfielders in the world on his day, um, and I didn't think we saw the the Thiago we're used to seeing, um, and, a, and a big part of that was was down to um, to Basuma. Yeah, I think. Um... I think actually that that three in midfield it it did work really well and I don't I'm I'm genuinely what I'm about to say Mark I'm genuinely not saying it to wind you up 
what I, what I do think w- w- that we'll see with this potentially is that Basuma playing so well in that sitting position and Bentoncourt playing so well in the sort of box-to-box position. I do worry about longer term who plays in that the third. If we play 3-5-2, the third person needs to be more of a, like, maybe a goal threat, right, considering mm. the other two. So if we carry on playing that way, I thought he was he was really good, Hoiberg, yesterday. He was very just sensible. He didn't stand out, but I thought he played really well. But it, it did kind of occur to me that actually, you're right, but it offers nothing really going forward, but he's so good in that like sitting position, and he was excellent mm. at just breaking things up, getting it, and like you said, little gives, gives and goes, and you know, just keeping things ticking over. He was great there. And Bentoncourt, I think, because I didn't think he was as... Um, progressive as he is like he's a very good ball carrier very good going forward so it'll be interesting to see what happens um and obviously again i'm doing what we always do which is go oh you can only talk about first 11 and not a squad game and hoiberg brings a lot when we play the two in there so i think it, what it does is it means that we haven't just got hoiberg and vincent Cole. we now have another player who can add something to this squad which can only be a good thing talking of good things uh t it was nice to see Kulisevsky come off the bench and with pretty much within minutes has just showed us what we all thought, which is that fucking hell, we've missed this guy a lot. Eight yard, eight yard seconds apparently as well. Um, it was just such a massive lift when he came on. Um, I always, since I was a child, a while up, when players come up from like a long term injury, I think, oh my God, do they remember how to play football? You know, um, he's singing a couple of stats, like, yeah, he's not lost it at all. And, um, it was so lovely to see him back, and it was good that he got the assist for Ken. He's a very clever assist. Um, you know, got to give props to Doherty for the pre-assist as well. But it was lovely to see um, Kulisevsky back. I think he. It was nice. It was a home game as well because it, it just gave the entire ground a lift, and it gave and it changed the game really. Um, I think there was one. I think um, before he got the assist, he tried to take it around Van Dijk, and I thought that's not going to work, mate. But then. In other words, it was a lot more. It's like he saw that, and I thought, okay, I'm not going to take it around Van Dyke in the way that I t- he tried to tap it around one side and run around the other. That's not really going to work. But he tried another way where he just kind of, okay, right. As soon as Van Dyke gets near him, I'm going to tap the ball. It might have been Canate who was near him or Van Dyke, but his first touch was going to go straight to Kane, and it was and it was out in the goal. I just love watching him play. His game intelligence is not is not as nippy as um, Richarlison or Sonny, but the way his the way his mind works every time he gets the ball. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. And um, I just hope that he doesn't get another injury for the rest of the season because he just makes so much of a difference to our side. Yeah, he was um, he was incredible, like the the difference of having him on. And again, this for me, um, Mark, I think is what was another, another tick in the box of optimism, which is like we were actually playing well before he came on. And then when, when you just sprinkle, um, you know, another fellow ginger nordsman into the the spurs team <laughs> so, suddenly we we just looked we looked even better so how how much of a difference does he make to us like going forward and and how good was he in this game I like how you uh, you just put the the ginger nordsman in there to sort of butt me back up after you slacked off my my king and ruler Pierre Mihoyer there that's well done <laughs> give with one well hand done. take with the other yeah. yeah you know what you did uh, I, mate i'm i'm a uh, th- well, saying that, you know what? Someone, someone's going to dig out a tweet I probably did about Kulisevsky before we signed him when there was rumours about it. But I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Kulisevsky, not just because he's ginger and and, and Scandinavian. 
Um, but th- this game is a perfect reminder of how crucial the, that guy is is to us. Um, you know, we we had, <coughs> excuse me, in in I think twenty odd minutes, he had uh, a key pass, a successful cross. He, I mean, he had sixteen touches, which is almost half of what Kane had in the whole game. Again, I'm not slagging Kane off, but I'm just it's just an example. Um, he was absolutely crucial, and obviously the assist. Uh, you know, he was taking he was taking players on in a way that I don't I don't really see many other of our players do. Like he's he's just so he's so confident for a man who's 22 years old. He's so confident in taking taking on his his uh, the defenders in front of him. Um, I just I love watching him play, and 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 you could see how everyone got a lift as well. Kane all of a sudden is ten yards further up because he knows he's got some support in 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 creating from midfield. Um, like it, it's just that that's that's one of the definitions of really great players as they lift the team around them, yeah. and and Kulisevsky is starting to do that for us. I don't want to like we 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 do also do this. I just want to temper this with the whole you know Spurs fans. We're very quick at as soon as a player is out injured, we, we muse about, oh my God, this player is so important to us. And Skip yeah. is a great example, right? We're like, oh my God, Skip's the best midfielder in the world. When he comes back, he's going to change everything. Hoybier's out, Benton calls out, Skip's back. Like, but Kulisevsky is that. Like, he genuinely is. He's so fucking important to us. And it's just, it's so good to get him back. Um, and I hope he plays. I'm not sure if I want him to play against Forest. I think we should have enough. But um, maybe comes on second half, but he should play against Leeds. He should start against Leeds because we need to get these last three points in the bag before the before the break. Yeah, and I guess he's not going to the World Cup, so just get some minutes in his legs. And Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Um, ben Foreman asks, despite the result, was the second half the most entertaining you've been watching Spurs this season? I can answer that very quickly. Yes. T. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess it was. I guess it was. I missed a bunch of games at the start of the season. One of them was um, the Leicester 6-2, and that was an entertaining second half. But I feel that yesterday just showed that, and something I've said for the last eight, nine years, that we can we can go against any team and give them trouble. And, okay, Liverpool are in, what, well, then I can't see that far down the league. Are they 8th or ninth or 7th, whatever the fuck they are? But they're still Liverpool, you know what I mean? And we made them look ordinary for for very long spells. And um, I, I'm, I'm very high on Conte. And I think that it's not so much that the football is born. It's just that when certain parts of the machination, when certain parts of the machine just don't go how you want it to go, it just looks fucking dreadful and pedestrian. Yeah. But um, the second half yesterday was, was, was great to watch. And... Um, it's just a shame that it's a game that we lost. I don't like to eulogise over games that we lost, saying, "Oh, you know, we played well, like with some, like with some plucky promoted side." You know, we we can't lose games and be happy about it. But I, I enjoyed the second half, and um, I sincerely hope that from Boxing Day onwards, that that second half is the first half of most of our games where we're just battering teams, and then you know, after seventy minute mark, we rest our best players and put the put the second string on that's what I'd rather see other than seeing you know first team players come on in the second half to salvage a game in, which is what Kulisevsky almost did how about you Mark what, where do you think perhaps yeah I mean sorry go on yeah no go on just where, where, where you think we're at in terms of this this being the most exciting half of football and where does this leave us going forward yeah no no I'm, I'm, I, I agree I think I think it's I think it's up there um like T said, it's it's always nicer when the performances are, 
you know when you're rewarded at the end of it um but look at it it's it, it there was lots and lots of positive i think we, we've we've covered a lot of them already but i thought there was a lot of really big individual um and i thought and also if i can just uh give a response to your high bs lagging off just before because um i, I do again want to want to be positive about benton core and i think you know what, I, I think you're right if we're going to play a three-man midfield and I've said this before, we need, we need some attacking, some goal threats. I, I don't... Hoybier and Bentoncourt are now going to be... Well, but at the end of the season, I reckon they'll be about similar in terms of goals scored and assists and all that sort of stuff. But what Bentoncourt does offer that Hoybier doesn't offer is, is is an incredible emerging ability to, to to dribble. We saw a few sort of just amazing little dribbles in this. Yeah, if the man had half our total completed dribbles in that whole game, he had four dribbles out of eight for the whole team. He's He's emerging as some sort of... I mean, he he is the the Dembele, the new Dembele. Like he he just is. He's he's becoming Dembele that player region. for us. He is, yeah. It's 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 and it's it's brilliant, you know. Um. So so yeah. Look, I, if if this is the game that 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 solidifies, uh, Benton Core as as two of the three we're going to be playing midfield after the January and summer transfer window, and Hobier goes on the bench. That that's that's fine. That's probably as big a praise as I can give Benton Core, isn't it? Yeah. For the record, I don't think Hoiberg will be on the bench for some time. And uh, <laughs> I, been, I don't think so either. He's, but, been, look, he's been one of our best players this season. I'm just making the point. It just it suddenly occurred to me. Actually, that what we what we need is at least competition. It shouldn't be a no brainer, and it currently is a no brainer that he has to play every game because he is, you know, our best, if not arguably one of our best midfielders. It's just nice that we've got some competition mm. in there, which is which is really good. Yeah. Um, all right, I think that's enough about Liverpool. I just want to um, a couple more different topics just while we're while we're together. Uh, it's been one year of Conte, so I thought it'd be useful just to um, see how we would summarise his tenure so far. We had a question which which maybe could just tie it together. T. Uh, Fippet Lyric, I think I've got that correct. Asks, do yeah, do we think Conte will be given what he needs? this season for the following one to get top four two to challenge for at least one trophy to sign a long-term contract and get Kane to also commit to a new deal so what do we think of Conte's tenure so far and what does he, what does he need to do this year to what does he need to be able to like actually be successful this season I'm fairly happy with his with his tenure so far um I prefer to think about how he ended last season you know with the Everton, Newcastle performances at what at White Hart Lane, um, smashing up Norwich in the last day of the season, beating Arsenal at home last year, April or May, I think it was. Um, I think it's largely positive. He hates losing, but he's in a situation where, you know, um, the boogeyman's name again, Pochettino, said many moons ago, this is gonna, there's gonna be a painful rebuild, and we're in the midst of it. Mm. We're in the midst of the rebuild. Um, the that window, the 2019 window, his last window, we signed um, Undombele, Lo Celso, Cessignon, and Jack Clark. And I came at that window very, very happy. I thought we're going to do well there. I mean, Jack Clark probably get loaned out, but the three, the three other players, I thought they were going to do really well. And it turns out that Cessignon's getting more games, but he's not having the last few games. He's not playing very well. Undombele, Lo Celso are loaned out, and they're not doing that well where they've, where they've been loaned out. And um, I think Jack Clark's been sold now, isn't he, to, to Sunderland? So we're in the midst of a rebuild. Conte's got to oversee it. His reputation is one of winning trophies everywhere he goes. And um, I think all things considered, we've got to consider that we are top of the Champions League group. We're, we're going to be in the top four. And 
I can't see the club not backing him in the next few windows. I think him and um, Peratici are, you know, a good pairing. I think Peratici knows what um, Conte wants. There's, I mean, even a window before Conte joined, we had, um, there's a bunch of players there who probably, a lot of them probably need to go. Um, you know, got Brian Hill, who I don't think is a Conte sort of player. Emerson Royale, even though Conte always starts him, I don't think that's someone who Conte would have necessarily signed in terms of his attributes as a, as a right wing back. So, there's an awful lot of work to do. Um, you know, we've got you know, we've got Tanganga and Sanchez still in our books, and I think the majority of our the majority of our fans surely would balk at seeing either of those two start in a game. And we're only a couple of injuries we've seen them two start a, a yeah. run of games. So there's a lot of work to be done and I think Conte's a bloke to to carry it through, but I don't think we're at our final form by a long shot right now. But the year has been the the year has been great. Um, as for a trophy, I think a trophy is a bonus more than a necessity this season. It would be nice. We're definitely good enough to to win a trophy. The teams have won a trophy in the last fourteen years, who we are considerably better than. So it would be nice. I think a trophy is just an award for because Loris is probably in this testimonial season and he's not won a trophy. I think. For players like Hugo Lloris, Hingmin Son, who have been at Spurs a while, it would be lovely to see them lift a trophy in our colours. And you know, um, and also the way things are, I think Kane will sign that contract. But it would be nice if he signed a contract, having lifted a trophy. Yeah, always always softens the blow. Mark, what, where what, where are you at with Conte? Like for his first year, and what's he mm. got to do this year to be successful? Yeah, T. I think T said most of it there. Um, thanks, T, for taking the bread out my mouth. Um, the the um, yeah, it's 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 literally all, all that T said. I, I totally agree with all of it. I, th- I think he's done really well. Um, I think he had a tough he had a tough task when he came in. I mean, you look at some of the dross, absolute dross, and and look, most of it is still out on loan. Let's not forget, we've got Joe Roden and Harry Winks and Luchelso and Mdombele coming back. Alfie Whiteman as well, I think, still on loan. So, so there's a lot of players, and he, he, you know, he's just kind of postponed that a little bit, or, or you know, Parasici has. Um, so there's still work to do, but in terms of the players he's brought in, I mean, there, there has been as much play, some some fans I don't think want to maybe recognise it, but there has been an immediate impact from a lot of the players that he's he's brought in. You, you think of Perisic, Basuma. Uh, you know, Longley and Richarlison. At least, if, if even if you're not fans of those players and you're like they're shit, they've given us depth. They've given us options rather than the the, the, the tosses we had there. Uh, that's a bit harsh, but you know, I don't mean that. That's rather, the, the players we had to stop with. So, look, the, the, there's there's still plenty of work to do, but you can only be satisfied with with what he's done for us. You got us top four over over Arsenal last season, and this season we're still in the top four as well. So, like, yeah, uh, but you can only be happy with it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's completely fair. I mean, I think um, I think I've been pretty vocal about that. I don't, I haven't uh, to date enjoyed the football. That I back the guy to be the guy that's going to get us to where we want to get to. And you know, I think the re- the reason for that is all the reasons that you've given. Right, there's there's a long way to go before he can actually formulate the team to play in the way that he wants to play to get the results and to to do it in a in a fashion that is more appealing on the eye. So he's only, you know, he's limited by the tools that he's got at his disposal, and also time. Like football now is so immediate. He's only been here one year, and there's a, there's a, you know, a raft of managers. Pep, Klopp, uh, took multiple seasons to win trophies with teams now who were like, ah, oh, they're just, you know, they're elite teams with amazing players. 
it took Pep a little while to win the league. It took you know Klopp a couple of seasons to get that Liverpool squad into the shape they wanted and mould it into the way that he's going. Was to. Four four seasons for Klopp. It took four years. There you go. To do there anything. Go. He was. They were fucking trash for the first two of them. There you go. And now, and now people are sort of losing their minds about you know what the scum are doing. It's like, but again, that's taken them years to get to this point of going. We need to get rid of him. He's not good enough. Back him. They back him. Oh, he's still not good enough. And now they're starting to be in a position where they're looking better, right? We we've only been one year into this project. Uh, the signs have been pretty good in terms of the recruitment so far. You know, if, if again, if you look forward to next year, let's assume that Jed Spence isn't <laughs> hasn't got some sort of. Um, problem with him that it means he actually can't play football and the club are just covering it up he's actually a good footballer and Conte wants to develop him and he sees him as a young prospect who he wants to develop next season we we should hopefully see him at least be rotated in we've got destiny coming next year who's ripping it up in Syria same thing right maybe there's a bit of time for him to develop and get used to the way but that's two really exciting young prospects we're definitely going to do some business at center back so again like we had some quality there we definitely need an attacking midfielder, so that will be an exciting change. And we've seen when we lost Kulusevski how much of a big issue that caused to our squad. We need another couple, probably, of those sort of attacking players. I mean, City have a raft of them to be able to call upon. The the best clubs have multiple players that can play in those positions to really like help. That's what we're missing, and that does take time and a lot of investment. So I think we just, all of us, whether like me, you're not like, head over heels in love with the football right now, um, or you're really invested. Either way, the same thing applies, which is we've got to give someone a good run at it. This guy's CV and what he's achieved in the game and what we've already seen like with some of the performances and results that he's managed to get is the guy. Like We have to give him that time. So um, let's see what happens. I think this year, if we can consolidate Champions League, go far in that competition would be great. If you manage to pick up an FA Cup or a League Cup, that'd be great. Um, so that takes me forward. Just two more topics before we before we go, just very quickly. Um, I just mentioned there we're picking up a trophy. We're actually playing the Carabao Cup this week. Did anyone remember that? Did anyone? Just, I, I kind of forgot. completely forgot about it until literally five minutes before the pod. <laughs> uh, we're playing Forest away at the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. Yeah, um, I'm going. I, I, Okay. Oh, he's going. Jeez. So, going. Right. Well, well, let me ask you then, Mike. Um, <coughs> should we try and win the Carabao Cup? Because isn't it like he, we can? You can basically be in the final by January, and it feels like no mm. one's going to give a shit about it because of the World Cup. Or do we just chuck in a load of youngsters and see what happens? What What are we going to do? Well, isn't isn't this the one that cities won like five years yeah. in a row, and they just fucking love it because they yeah. can essentially essentially Pep looks at the Carabao Cup and just go EFL Cup and just goes. Ah, oh, this is a great chance to test out my, you know, my squad depth and my my bench because he just plays a total second string eleven and still just wins it at Canter. Um, so I mean, look, Pep is being um, he's being pushed in the league for the first time in a, in a while. So maybe that's our maybe that's our window. Um, like fuck it, look, look, we're we're Tottenham Hotspur. We can't be snobbish about winning trophies and that. As long as it doesn't have a detrimental impact on us getting top four. I'm I'm all for it. Fucking go for it. Um, and look, I'm you know we'll probably see Jed Spence. So yes, a lot of finally, like there's only one thing I want <laughs> in this world is to see Jed Spence play for Tottenham. I don't even know if he's any good. I'm just so committed now to the idea 
that he should play. I love it. It's just, everyone's just, just doubling down. I I'm just obsessed. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Until he starts playing games, I'm just going to basically think of him as Cafu. And and that's how outraged I am. I'm sitting there going, we've got Cafu on the bench. He's not fucking bringing him up. Peak Cafu's been pied up. <laughs> Everson Royale, I'm fuming. That's how personal I'm taking it because I just said uh... it that he should play and now I'm, I'm doubling down. Um, T, do you give a shit about the League Cup? Do you want us to just play all the kids? Where Where are you at with this one? I've long said that the League Cup should be scrapped. Having said that, I would fucking love it if we won yeah. it. Um, this is the last trophy that we've won. Um, but, you know, because of the World Cup, you know, for all of us ills, if the, if the Carabao Cup was when it was supposed to be and not in the fucking middle of November, then we would have seen the likes of um, Jed Spence and even Saar, who probably wouldn't have got a game anyway, see a bit more of them and have a bit more of them, you know, see what they're about. The annoyance that the Carabao Cup is now is that Jed Spence has been there for two months and we've barely seen him. So it would be nice to see him. I think he's got to start, and I imagine he will start. And um, yeah, we don't need that many games to win it. And yeah, we should definitely go for it. Absolutely. I just think um, either scrap it or at least the absolute minimum, make the semi-final one leg. That two-legged bollocks is a waste of time in January, especially when you've got the FA Cup games to contend with. But no, absolutely. If we, we we should we should go for it. I don't think we're going to games intending to lose, but I think you know we'll probably see Spence and Saar start the game, and that should be enough to get us through this round. Yeah. Talking of um, this will be the last thing, and then we'll we'll leave it for today. Talking of trophies, I'd like quite like to. I'd fancy winning this. Uh, uh, this would make me slightly happy. The Champions League. Uh, the draw we got was AC Milan. Uh, Obviously, a bit of flashbacks to um, the epic win in San Siro back in 2012. Uh, different side, different times. We were very new to the Champions League at that point. They were the, the big European powerhouse. They still remain the European powerhouse, but the gap between the two teams is, and it, even to some extent, we may have kind of exceeded them in terms of where people see our, the quality of our squad. Uh, what are your thoughts, Mark? Are you happy with this as a draw um, for the Champions League? Do you think we can get through this tie? Um, I think the tie is, again is next year after the World Cup. But do you uh, do you think we're going to get through this tie? How, how confident mm. are you? Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's it's hard to say now. Like it's, it's not until February, but but it's it's. I think it's a really good. I think it's a really good option for us. Um, Milan are like a good. They're a good level for us. They're they're not. They're not terrible, obviously. They wouldn't have got to the last 16, but they're not They're not the strongest side either in there. Um, they've got some really good talent, some young players coming through. Everyone's losing their shit over Rafael Lau, yeah, uh, the yeah. new Portuguese hotshot, who does look absolutely outstanding. So it'll be... I mean, look, it'll be... You just see him play live, so, you know... Um, but I, I think we can get through it. I think we've got a really good chance. Conte's obviously going to know AC Milan inside out. Um, so that's a that's a massive bonus for us. Um, I don't. I know you know a lot of players. A lot of people are saying that the same is true about Milan versus Conte. But but he's a you know it's, he's a different beast. Uh, every club he's been at. So so yeah. Look, I, th- I think it'll be really interesting, and I think it'll be a good matchup for us. And uh, sadly, I won't have a chance to go to the away game. But uh, I'll be there for the home game, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of this. Uh, some of these new talents they've got apparently i spoke to one of my herdy mates today um i don't actually he's not on my radar but their their keeper mike manian is 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 a, a really really very good france french keeper as well um and obviously he's they've got the uh, he is he's injured so real shame so it looks like Lloris will be playing a lot um so yeah they've got a few they've got a few um you know, obviously Giroud plays for them tomorrow ex chelsea plays for them so there's a bit of a 
there's a bit of a UK vibe going on there as well. Yeah, T, um, yeah, we don't give a fuck about AC Milan. We're going to smash them up, aren't we? Fucking hope so, but it's a sign of how far we've come that um, we're drawing teams we've got a little bit of a recent history against. Um, you, you get these probability little matrixes that come up when the first round is over and you see you can draw. And we had, um, I think it was either Inter Milan, AC Milan or Dortmund, teams who have played already. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, been in Champions League so long now that it's like, oh, we've played them already, been there, done that. Um, <laughs> I went to the San Siro back in 2010, the Bell hat trick, so I'm not dying to go back to to, this, to the game in February. The police treat us like fucking shit anyway, so not in a rush to go back to Europe. But it's just a nice draw. Um, I think we're two well-matched teams. Uh, you know, there was a fear of us getting PSG, and I think that hopefully gets postponed for another run. I don't, I don't think we've drawn them yet in in Europe, so it would be nice for us to see Messi in action again in, in the flesh. But it's a good draw. It's, it's a winnable game. The little I know about AC Milan, and um, as I said on Twitter, hopefully we'll have a couple of new signings then who are eligible and good enough to make an impact. Yeah, for sure. I am. Um, I'm really happy with the draw. I realised uh, watching the the Marseille game. And when Hoybier's goal went in, I am all in on the Champions League. It's my favourite thing about football. I, by some way, like <laughs> I, I basically have realised that the Premier League is almost impossible to win now, like, and it's going to get harder. The Champions League is obviously the like the elite competition, but in some ways, because it's a knockout competition, there's more chance of. I mean, we saw it with ourselves getting to a final. You can you can do that. Um, just as a one-off I appreciate that Real Madrid just win it every year now but there are teams who can get that far and we, we have enough sort of quality and also experience now where I don't think it's out of the realms so I'm not saying this season but I when I, as long as we get a favourable draw I'm past the point of I want big teams because it's nice for Spurs to play against big teams I want to go as far as we can see where it takes us because I want us to win the Champions League <laughs> so we'll, we shall see um, alright boys I think that's uh, that's enough for us um, been a pleasure T thanks so much cheers absolutely Nesbit aka Matt Nasbat aka Matt Nasbat Shagger. thanks mate been a pleasure and um, thank you yeah, peace speak to y'all soon come on you Spurs up the Spurs Network.